What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast, brought to you as always by SorrySports.com. It is a Monday rundown today, everybody. Happy Monday. Sean and I jumped right into baseball again. The winter meetings finished up, and there was a lot of signings. So we went around the league, and we obviously talked about the J. Hap deal and some of the future implications for the Yankees. Then we jumped into the NBA and we talked about some of the locals going on, the Trevor Ariza trade as well, and some signings that our locals did. After that, we had some trade predictions moving forward up until the trade deadline and what teams were going to do what. Finally, we talked college basketball. We talked about the top 25 going into conference play, which begins in about 10 days. So enjoy this one. We will be back either Wednesday or Thursday with our NFL pod. Have a good night. Follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports, Sorry underscore Sports on Instagram, and shoot us an email, SorrySports at Yahoo.com. Enjoy the pod. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Sorry to Interrupt. We're here with you for our Monday rundown on the week before Christmas. Tom, what's going on, brother? How are you? Can't wait for Wednesday. Can't wait. You had a big week this last Spur week. Spur pick of the week cashed in, everybody, but I'm just going to leave it at that. We'll leave all the festivities for Wednesday. Festivities. This guy wins one pick that he's been making, and he goes nuts. Literally nuts. All right, so. There's winners and there's losers, Sean. You're just a loser. I don't think so. I'm doing just fine. Whatever this bet's going to be, I'm going to enjoy it uh, handsomely. But uh, we're not here to talk about that tonight. We're going to get into that Wednesday. If you do want to give us Sweet some advice Jesus. on the bet, yes. sports at yahoo.com. Yeah, we've been asking. We Listen, bro, ha- we're relax. Not, we're Wednesday's not smart- my day, not, <laughs> we're not today. We're not smart enough or creative enough right now to come up with our own bet. But we need to do something, and Tom needs to pony up. Unless I just go into you know complete destruction mode in the next two weeks but maybe something for charity i don't know like i'll do a hugh jackson jump into a freezing cold river or something i don't know mate would you yeah why not okay why the hell not we're gonna put the that video will be on sorry sports too if that happens but yeah anyway let's get into our monday rundown we are gonna for the second straight week we're gonna lead with baseball because last week we started the winter meetings had just begun there was very little action. You know, we discussed Corbin from the week before, along with Evaldi. Well, the Yankees made their move. They did agree to sign Jay Happ uh, to a two-year deal with a vesting option for a third. It's a $34 million deal. What were your takeaways from this? Needed to be done, and I'm happy with it, and I'm glad it's only two, possibly three years as well. Pretty good deal all around. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, we we both are Jay Happ fans. He he really did a tremendous job anchoring the rotation for the Yankees in the second half of last year. Um, I don't think he's the splashy move that fans wanted, but you know, it's not always those kind of moves as we've talked about that get the that get you a championships. Happ no. is Happ knows how to win. He's not one of these pitchers you worry about as he Battle gets tested older. in the AL East. I used my I used my term last week. I don't have to do it again. Um, but yes, he is. <laughs> um, you know, I like everything that he's about as a pitcher, and he's he's a guy that in a winning team is going to be an important part of why you win. He's an innings eater, which is also important because you're going to have some question marks in this rotation. Sabathia, he didn't really have any dud starts either, no. aside from the playoff game. Yeah, and they, Cut him some slack they there, still could but. have come back and won that game. Um, but, you know, you, you know Sabathia is going to spend a little bit of time on the DL. Paxton has not proven that he can pitch a full season, although he's dominant when he's on the mound. 
Tanaka usually Speaking spends CC, a little bit of time. Him, they gave him that option as well. Which well, they, I g- think they, was well they gave him the bonus. That's what I meant. The yeah, bonus. Yeah. yeah. If you remember, uh, for throwing at Jesus Sucre, it cost him uh, that extra inning of service time that would have kicked in a five hundred thousand dollar bonus. And the Yankees, like the classic or classy organization that they are, decided to pay him because of the magnitude of that decision. And I also think that played a big role in them bringing him back. But just getting back to Hat for a second. He's not Evaldi, he's not Corbin, but he's a known commodity and you don't have to really worry or wonder about what you're going to get from him. And I think there's something to be said for that. You know, the Yankees have taken chances on high-end guys, you know, a a Sonny Gray, a a Nathan Evaldi from a few years ago. Um, You know, they've taken chances on now a James Paxton. And all those guys definitely are, have better stuff than Jay Happ, but Jay Happ is one consistency that you know you're going to get in the rotation time in and time out. He's had, knock on wood, basically no injury concerns. So I think this was I a mean, good the, deal. And, and the guy made an all-star team just last year, so let's he's not just an innings eater. He can get out. Oh, yeah. Topping off at 95-96 last year, if you don't remember, as well. So it's not like the guy's got bad stuff. It's not like the Yankees just signed Jamie Moyer. No, no, so that, not the guy's got good stuff, and, and again, he's consistent. Yep, and I and still— that's what I want from a four- or five-starter. No doubt, and I, I still think there's a chance that they're going to get another high-end starter— I would bet on the trade front and something crazy would have to happen. It doesn't seem now, as we transition into the league, that the Indians are going to have to necessarily move any of their top two starters. We, you know, They signed uh, Carrasco before the winter meetings to the extension through 2022. They also just traded Edwin Arc- Encarnacion and Jan Gomes, two big contracts. Moving off of those is going to allow them, I believe, to pay Corey Kluber and Trevor Bauer. Big move for them. Encarnacion getting shipped out to Seattle, who will probably be on that team for two minutes. And they got Carlos Santana back, who is recently with the Phillies and then traded to the Mariners. He's right back in Cleveland, who tried to keep him after last year when he was a free agent, but just got outbid by the Phillies. Um, this now is a, is a wrinkle because I don't know if any of those pitchers are going to be available. Yeah, and the Indians are kind of in between there because they did, they did unload a couple guys, but... Nobody from the top end, and I still think they'll be competitive even though they're going to lose Andrew Miller most likely and a few others, but if you can hold on to your top three starters and get a guy in Carlos Santana who has been an Indian for a long time and is an, is a much younger still, I think he's a little bit better player at this point in his career than Edwin Encarnacion, and to get off that Jan Gomes contract where they paid the guy for basically half a season when he had an Oakland or maybe a full season. I think he made. Well, it was what he had. It year. was what he had in in Cleveland mostly. I mean, he had that. He had that really good year in 2016 when they went to the World Series and they True. paid him off of that. I'm confused with a different guy. Yeah, you're thinking Voight, Vote, Stephen Vote. No, I'm thinking of another guy. Um, Luke Croy. Alonzo, maybe. Yonder oh well, Yonder Alonzo. Alonzo was the first baseman from the A's. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they did. They did sign him. You're right. Um, yeah. They, they didn't have to, but he wasn't making that much. It, it was more the Jan Gomes deal was big. Alonzo getting off of him. They've shed a lot of salary, which is good for them. And, and especially when you're a small market team that has to preserve the starting pitching, that yep. is going to be the reason that they win. And remember, they're going to win that division by default. The, the Twins have made a couple nice moves this offseason, but the Tigers are in full rebuild. The Royals are in full rebuild. Unless the White Sox get both Harper and Machado, they're in rebuilds yep. as well. 
So they should win that division pretty easily. Although not only Miller, they're also it seems like they're going to lose Cody Allen unless they can bring him back on a team friendly deal. And they just like lost a uh, premier left fielder and Michael Brantley as Good well call. going to the Astros, which that's that's tough because that just makes the Astros that much better in their lineup, that much deeper. Very good point. And if the Astros did have a weakness, it was outfield play. They always had maybe one outfielder or two aside from Springer that just you know was kind of the bottom of the lineup. I wouldn't say that um, Josh, what's his face, Reddick. Reddick was was ever a premier offensive player, and now they have one. Yeah, Brantley is a guy that never strikes out. He's going to hit for power with that short porch and right. He also likes to go the opposite way. He had a nice series. That is the opposite way for him. Cause, well, no, yeah, you're right. Well, I was well, talking right, right field left, short. Yeah, yeah le- left is just short. <laughs> it's a high yeah. wall out there, but it's short. Um, and he does go the opposite way a lot. He had a really nice series, albeit a short series, for the Indians against the Astros this year. And he was injured. Keep in mind, the year before that, he made an all-star He's been team, hurt with so his shoulder. Yeah. He, he when, when healthy, he's one of the best outfielders in baseball. Agreed. When it comes to the offensive yep. side of the game. Exactly. Yeah, he doesn't have much of an arm, and, and his and his defensive range has gone down a bit. But that's that's not a spacious outfield out there in no, he's going to play left, and Houston. you got that smallish green monster out there. Yeah, so. it's like green ma- green monster light. <laughs> um, another move that I want to get into, and it happened yesterday, and I thought, you know, this is, and we can actually parlay this into a two, uh, another deal too. New the York Mets, Mets have just here? had a really, really good offseason. So they signed Wilson Ramos yesterday, killing NEJT Real Mudo action. There was a report. Another um, guy that's made multiple all-star teams. Really good player. Mm-hmm. Really nice catcher. He's not Real Mudo, but he's he's very good. Good defensively, very solid defensively, and he can hit too. He can hit. He's no it, slouch it, at the plate. Not at all, and he hits for or power. Or behind it, so. Yeah, no, good call. I mean, he's a really solid player, and they also brought back Jairus Familia on a three-year deal, which I thought was a little much, but I, I think Familia from the Mets is a lot like how you look at you know, a uh, a J hat from the Yankees, obviously different, you know, from a reliever to a starter, but he's a known commodity. You know what you're going to get. And it's so much different now, at least the feeling now we're not Met fans, but the feeling I got was, you know what you're going to get from him. He's not your closer anymore. You just got the best closer in the American league, possibly in baseball. Yeah. And, and those were the situations where he struggled in were in high leverage closing situations. So I think if you stick him in as your seven, eight inning guy, he's going to dominate with that power sinker. That's about a that's about a hundred miles an hour. So, I think he's a huge pickup for the Mets, and I don't think three years and for whatever money they gave him was too steep. No, I don't either. I, I think that you know Met fans are kind of have that you know syndrome of oh we're, we have a trend of bringing back former guys. You know Jay Bruce last year bringing back Cespedes. You know they've done with Reyes, and but this feels different. I mean Familia is still a really good player. This is not kind of that feeling of sentimentality. Oh, they're not. They're going to do something else. Now, here was is interesting. It was reported today by, um, I believe it was J.P. Morosi of Fox. He said that the Mets turned down a straight up offer, Syndergaard for Real Muto. You think that was the right decision? Absolutely. I don't think Real Muto is worth that. I think there's probably two catchers in the league that are worth real that are worth a. Uh, Syndergaard, because Syndergaard, although he did have a stint on the DL, stays pretty healthy. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball when he is healthy. He can win a Cy Young next year. He w- he will be a top five Cy Young candidate if he's healthy. I think Gary Sanchez is worth Syndergaard, and and in his prime, Buster Posey. That's it. Yeah, that's all. And Sanchez, especially because even though he had a really tough year this year, he, he for when he came up in sixteen and all of seventeen. 
he raked, and he has four years of team control left when Real Muto only has two. Exactly, yeah. I, I, I would turn that deal down if I were them as well. You need to get Real Muto and, like, two top-end prospects, if you ask me. Oh, I totally agree. And there were these, you know, reports of, of you know, the Mets shopping Syndergaard, and it never made sense to me because if you're trying to contend and win now, why would you trade a guy who, if you're if you're hoping for 30 starts, like you said, he could be a Cy Young candidate. Why, w- why would you ever trade him? And he's he's under team control through 2021. And that pitching staff, and now with Familia and um, Ramirez, I believe his name is, the, the closer from... Diaz. Diaz, excuse me, sorry about that. Um, I got I gotta wake up here, but um, you have you're just your pitching with staff. Names. It's okay. Yeah, we all know that your your pitching staff is is going to be dominant, and that's carried through the bullpen now. But starting pitching is still the Mets' thing, and it has been since Matt Harvey came up. Yep, and they and they have the reigning Cy Young winner. They have Syndergaard. Matt's had a had a pretty see, decent year last year Wheeler when he did too. pitch, and I was just going to say Wheeler really turned it around. Unfortunately, he did it when the Mets were basically out of it, but he had a really nice year. I think he can carry that over to this year, though. I think he can. He always Vargas, has had it. Vargas in the NL is a very serviceable number. I mean, five. he can't be worse than what he was last year. Yeah, that's what I'm banking on. Yeah. So I and, don't know. We'll see. Maybe they bring back Harvey. That's their thing. So. Oh yeah, I know, right? Wouldn't that be something? That'd be I, hilarious. Uh, but I really like Brody Van Wagen. He he is making some really good moves. And the last thing I want to touch upon uh, before we talk about the last big signing that I think that we should mention is it didn't happen. It actually, the rumors came out last week after we had finished recording our podcast that there were discussions being done on a th- potential three-team deal that would have sent Syndergaard to the Yankees a couple, and Duhar and a prospect to the Marlins and Real Muto to the Mets. And even though it didn't happen, I'm telling you, man, Brody Van Wagenen is not Sandy Alderson, and I think he is a guy that will make this opened at least somewhat of a pathway, I think, to a possible Yankee Met trade down the line. I don't know to what extent, and I don't know if it could yeah. be anything as big as that. I don't that. think it would ever be a Syndergaard thing because you still got to go through the Wilpons, so I, I don't think anything crazy like that will happen, but... You know, the Met, the Yankees were trying to get Lucas Duda, what, last year or the year before? Yeah. And that didn't happen because the the Met, because Alderson and the owners wouldn't trade with the Yankees. I think a deal like that, something a little bit smaller goes through. They also had a deal basically done for Jay Bruce in 17. And Wilpon nicks that at the 11th hour. And But now I think Van Wagenen has brought this new, you know, approach to the Mets front office being a former... Um, agent knowing the players knowing the landscape having talked to all these gms just on the players behalf and he's going into alderson saying or uh to wilpons and, and saying listen we can't be close-minded to anything i think you know the yankees and red sox they're not going to do trades they did steven drew for kelly johnson four years ago those are going to be the only kind of deals you ever see from that but as far as the Yankees and Mets, there's real no reason why they should be completely shut off from not each at all. other. It's not like this guy's going to be kicking your ass 15 times a year. No. I mean, if, if you're the Mets, you would much rather hate to see Syndergaard go to the Phillies or the Nationals or Marlins. Exactly. And I think from Van Wagenen's point of view, after watching, I mean, I'm sure the guy has his finger on the pulse of all baseball. After watching Alderson do nothing for however long, he just went the opposite way because it's like, Doing nothing is just going to get you fired. It may keep you around longer, but if you win a World Series, you're going to be there for a hell of a lot longer. Absolutely. Listen, he's he's creative, he's innovative, and he's not afraid to make bold decisions. If I were the Mets fans, and listen, 
the Mets fans are those classic, how the Red Sox fans, Boston fans, period, used to be before the Patriots started winning. and Every team the, in Boston started Yeah, I don't winning. have to go up and down the list, but they're just the, oh, poor me, oh, something's going to happen, bad's going to happen, wah, 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 wah. Well, listen, take this one in. I think this guy is perfect for the Mets because he's making moves and he's treating them more like a major market team than a small market team. Totally agreed. And 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 like you said last week, maybe they can get the Wilpons to open up those purse strings just a little bit. But the last deal I want to talk about before getting away from baseball um, is Andrew McCutcheon signed a very rich deal with the Philadelphia Phillies last week. Yeah, and, and does that take them out of the Bryce Harper sweepstakes is my question. Now, the Phillies supposedly have all this money in the world and they're willing to spend it on anybody. But again, I mean, I just read a Bleacher Report thing, not to go off of the McCutcheon thing, but I think this has huge implications that the Dodgers aren't really going to go that after Harper that heavily. So who's going to get Harper? Well, that's the interesting question. And, and you know, just to, we, let's touch on that right after we finish up on McCutcheon. McCutcheon, who is only 31, great on-base guy, plays a good outfield. He learned how to play left last year when he came to the Yankees. I think he showed a lot when he came to the Yankees. He's still got pop. He'll hit some home runs out there in Philly, which is a band box. I thought that was a really good move, but they gave him a ton of money. Um, three years and $48 million for Andrew McCutcheon right now, but he's going to slide into that lineup probably about around fifth or sixth. Hoskins is moving back to first. That helps them out a lot. This is an analytics move. It is. Yeah, it is. That's a good point because he is an analytics, you know, wet dream. They yeah. love him. Yeah. And and I, I got to say, you know, just in the short sample size we saw him wearing pinstripes last year, he was very impressive. He's a great team guy. He walks yeah, all if, the time. If the Yankees weren't so overly filled with outfielders, I wouldn't have been too upset if they had brought him back on a two-year deal. No, absolutely not. But I thought that was a lot of money to give him, and I think he just set the market for outfielders of anybody that's not named uh, Bryce Harper. If you look at the deal Michael Brantley got, it was very comparable, and I think he can thank McCutcheon for that. But to answer your question, I don't know what the hell's going to happen with Bryce Harper. Because, I don't, I don't know and I don't know what's going to happen with Machado either because it seems as though these guys' values there was a to talk about that Bleacher Report article that you that you referred to about the Dodgers not willing to pay him. If you look at his career, he's not worth three hundred million dollars. You no. know, for all the Yankee fans that it's are clamored for him, he's had one really good year. Yeah, and he won the MVP. Yep, in two thousand fifteen, which was a while ago. And he has not shown up in the postseason, and I think it's—I think you can say he's had a fair track record in the postseason. He's played in it every single year since 2012, Except with the exception this of this year. year. Yep. Never out of the first round. They've had the pitching to do it. He hasn't shown up. If you look at you know the Yankee fans who aren't big fans of Stanton, all I would say is Stanton's a better home run hitter. You know, 38 home runs is a really good year for Harper. That was a bad year for Stanton this year. Stanton's RBIs, much higher in RBIs than Harper, aside from that one year. And average is about the same. Now, Harper walks more than Stanton does. And if you want to talk about playing the outfield, even though Stanton probably won't play it that much, they're about the same. They're about the same. Defensively. Yeah, so Harper, Harper may have a little bit better of an arm. I don't know. Stanton's got a cannon, too. Stanton has a cannon. He's a much better right fielder than he is left fielder, and you're not going to see that that much with the Yankees, as you know you saw last year. But I don't I don't really know where he's going to get this mega deal. I, I think he's going to have to settle for – I do think the Phillies are the major players for him. 
I wouldn't be surprised if he went back to Washington, even though we heard the comments from the owner saying that they've basically resigned themselves to the fact he's not coming back. Well, they already offered him a $300 million deal, And right? he turned it down, and that was before. I don't know that if was it's before still they on the got, table. I don't think it is. I, I think Maybe now. 200 I don't know. I, I don't think it's. 250 Yeah, I, I think that teams who are looking at Harper, even more so than Machado, are saying, we don't want to give you anything more than four or five years. Because, you no offense, but you're not really worth that. You're not as big of a star as your name carries. He's kind of one of those classic NBA guys that never really won, had one or two really solid years on bad teams, and you know you think they're going to be a super max player and they just never get it, and you're yeah. wondering why. And then it's like, oh, right, because they're name is bigger. I think, you know, John Wall's one of those kind of guys if you want to do the Washington comparison and we'll get to the NBA in a minute. But it's a but, perfect comp. I was going to say Vince Carter, but Vince Carter had put together a body of work or like 10, you know, all yeah, NBA games or all NBA seasons, so I I would say Vince Carter's better, but Yeah, I would too. But, you know, and then Machado, it seems like his market it, it's it's the White Sox who he visited today, but it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. Yankees, he visits Yankees what, tomorrow? Yankees, Wednesday, Wednesday. And the Phillies on Thursday. All right, and the I Phillies... got to call and stick to work. I'm going down to the Bronx. <laughs> I'll the, be in the Bronx. The Phillies <laughs> traded for Gene Segura, and the Yankees, as we talked about last week, mentioned that they want to extend Didi Gregorius, who said that today that his elbow feels better and, and he's on track to return sometime in the summer, you know, probably later in the summer. Either I wouldn't way, count out Machado, though, because the Yankees still don't, oh, I don't have... Oh, I don't count him out at all. The Yankees still don't have a future at first base, and that could be Andahar. Listen, I'm telling you I'm telling you different. I, I, think, I think that signing Machado is the gateway to getting that front-line starting pitcher that we that alluded to earlier. That could be very earlier. true because as well, the, and we Yankee, spoke about that before. The Yankee farm system, with the exception of Estevan Floreal, is not what it was before the Justice Sheffield trade, before Clint Frazier's dealt with concussions, and before some of these other guys like Aglaber Torres has you risen to the majors. You know I still hold out a hell of a lot of hope for Frazier. I want oh, him playing left listen, field for the Yankees I, I if they too. can't it, deal him. I think he's gonna. I think he's. I don't think they are gonna deal him, and I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna get an opportunity to play this year if he's healthy, because Gardner's not gonna start 160 games, and I know they're not in love with John Carlos Stanton playing outfield every day. But I digress. I think that Machado signing is the gateway to getting a top-end starter. I don't know who that is. And also, it doesn't have to be right now. It could be in the summertime because Didi's not going to be playing probably before the trade deadline. So if you want to keep Andujar at third, Machado plays shortstop, and a, for, and a pitcher that we're not even you know thinking about right now comes available at the Some deadline. Bigger? Yeah, right? I'm rooting heavy for <laughs> and, the mess and, and to du- suck. And du- <laughs> Andujar becomes your your best commodity ever and because you know the guy's gonna hit oh he's a machine he's a machine and and i think this and i was thinking about this last week i didn't talk to you about it remember we were young but we were in the know then still that's why we knew we were destined for this platform right absolutely was when the yankees traded for alex rodriguez to move him to third when they had Alfonso Soriano, who was a established young player, dynamic, great player. 40-40 guy in Washington. 40-40 guy with the Yankees <clears throat> in like his second full year. Yeah. And, the, you know, Soriano was a free swinger. He hit home runs. He was exciting. He was fast. He, but his defense was not that great. And you had a chance to get Alex freaking Rodriguez. Now, here's how – now, that was via trade – but obviously, if you lose out on Andujar, it's kind of like a trade. 
Miguel Andujar is going to be a freaking hitter. He, Like you said, he's a machine. He's going to be a really, really good hitter in the league for a long time. Yeah, and we all is know how that... Is he ever, ever going to be Manny Machado? No. Because no. offensively, he's not there, and Machado's just as good of a hitter, if not better. No, Ma- Machado's a better hitter. Yeah. Machado's I... a better, just a better player yeah. than Andujar. Even if Andujar does what he did this year every There's year. There's a lot of parallels to that A-Rod thing, because if you don't remember, the reason why the Yankees opened up at third was because Aaron Boone tore his ACL playing bad basketball yep and the Yankees release him which is my theory on why he's our manager right now well probably <laughs> Cashman said I owe you one I'm I gonna owe, repay yeah. you in the future that's right we we, we really needed it and I, obviously you know A-Rod's Yankee career is that second 10-year deal that killed him but that trade I mean he won two MVPs in four years with the Yankees and Listen, if you the get deal Manny killed Ma- us but we won in 2009 and he was a massive catalyst to that although he had no playoff success Aside Leading from that, up to so that. But again, you, take t- you take the gamble on that. Just looking from the player standpoint, you know, if the Yankee fans who want to give up on Andujar, and, and like I said, I would only do it for a guy like Machado, is he's a great player, but it's not like the Yankees are starved of homegrown talent. You got it all over the field. You got Judge, who's a perennial MVP candidate in right. You've got Hicks, who you developed in center. You know, you've got Glaber Torres, who's going to be your cornerstone second baseman or shortstop. You've got Didi, who you got when he was young. You got Gary Sanchez behind the plate. You got Severino as your ace. I mean, they have plenty of homegrown talent all the way around, up and down the roster. If you can get a 26 year old in this prime, who is one of the best players in baseball history as of right now at this point in his career, you have to do it. And I'm I. Don't deviate from what I said last week. Don't do it if you don't feel you need to. Don't do it if you're sacrificing the bullpen. But ever since last week, they got Jay Happ. So they got a starter. They paid up for him. I think they didn't want to give him $34 million for two years, but that's what the market dictated, and, and they did it. And now see what's going on. This market is very limited for him. It doesn't seem like the White Sox want to swim in that end of the pool. The Philadelphia Phillies might do it, but they did get Gene Segura. I think it's going to be a two-team race, and he always said if it came down to two teams, he it was going to be the Yankees. So we could be a week or so away, Tom. He could be the present under the tree on, on Christmas Day for Yankees. That'd be fans. nice, back-to-back Yeah, when you go to Gene the Carlo Bronx, what are, you, what are you going to do? Machado. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. I'm going to bang on every car window of every nice car <laughs> I see until I see Machado. There you go. I'm going to ask him on the show, and then you know I'm going to be like, Is he going to break want- the news here? I'm just going to say, do you want this to be a regular thing? I'm a great guy. We, we really seem to hit it off. And when he says, yeah, I'm going to say, well, I'm a Yankees fan. So just think about that. There you go. And that then you sold him. You heard it here first, guys. Perfect. Okay. All so the anyway, money in the world. That's enough you know speculation. That's a rundown of all the events. Um, no big, no other big news has happened yet, but some notable moves. And I think the, the wheels are going to start turning on the free agent market very, very soon. Anyway, fun to talk baseball again. I did miss it. It's the middle of the winter. I'm thinking about spring training already. I miss it. But basketball is keeping us entertained. And there was a trade that happened this weekend, sir. Trevor Ariza finally got dealt. But it was not to the Los Angeles Lakers. No, it was to the Washington Wizards. Sean has his theories on this. Uh, Let's get your take first. Conspiracy Sean's coming out. And I just think the Wizards have come alive. I've been hanging around you for too long. (laughs) I think the Wizards have come alive of recent. um, And and I just think that, you know, who should have went and got him was the Houston Rockets, who could have really used him. Uh, They're probably the most disappointing team in the NBA, although I didn't say that last week. I did. You did, you did. So that's good. Good job by you covering that. Um, <laughs> the trade was a little iffy the first time around, and it didn't go through because the Phoenix Suns are idiots. 
Um, but I, I, you know, and I always respected James Jones, and I've heard you know everybody loves him as a teammate. I just feel like once you get in that Phoenix Suns front office, you just get dumber. Yeah, well, and it didn't help that you know within like three days the owner went from saying if they don't renovate this arena, I'm moving out of Phoenix to I have no plans to move out of Phoenix. So that doesn't really ever help. But yeah, so I think he's getting PR lessons from John Gruden. Yeah, or James Dolan. Maybe. Oh well, we'll talk about that later. My wet. That's my wet dream. Speaking of it, but um, yeah, I, I like this trade for the Wizards, and I the idea that you put in my head right right before the pod at our pre-pod meeting with our massive staff here, um, with them possibly using him as an even better trade ship for a Bradley Beal or John Wall package because he is an expiring contract, or I like him on this team. Period. This is a guy that can knock down the three, and he can still play great defense, which the Wizards desperately need. Well, let's look at it from a couple different ways. Let's look at it from the Wizards keeping him first. So you get a 3 and D guy, and you were able to dispatch of Kelly Oubre, who is one of the most selfish players in the league. Has you know he's one of those guys where if you look at this, if you look at the box score, you're gonna say 17. He's a nice player. I like Kelly Oubre. I do not, dude. I don't think he's a winning player at all. And then you got rid of of Doc Rivers' son there, Austin, for you know he was on the Wizards for about a minute. I think Kelly. He'll Oubre, be playing in China in about three years. He's welcome a, on the show, though. He is. I, I'm sure he's a great Austin, guy. Austin, you're welcome on the show. Absolutely. You've as been well on- as Kelly Oubre. Okay. And I'll tell him to his face that I think he's a selfish, non-winning player, but that's okay. All right, I'll be here to see that. There you go. Um, right after I say it to Jimmy Butler and Jalen Ramsey. Um, <laughs> but but no, I uh, you know if you if you look at it from the Wizards, you got rid of two guys that weren't helping you win, and um, you bring in Ariza, who on this team, no matter how freaking bad the Wizards are, they play in the Eastern Conference. And just an idea to give you of the Eastern Conference. The Nets have 13 wins. They've won five in a row. They're 13 and 18. That's not good. Right now, they are one a half a game behind the eight seed, and they're literally two games away from the six. The, yeah, so the, the East the can East, be had. The East can be had. The Wizards, I believe, have 11 wins. So this could this move could help by addition by subtraction, and you're getting a good player. The other thing, too, is if you want to look at it from the, another standpoint, which is the idea that I kind of floated in your head earlier, when I first saw this trade, I was like, what? Why Why? Why do the Wizards want to get him? This doesn't make any sense. Now, you got rid of two guys you didn't really want on your team. Fine, I get it. Now, Ariza, despite having value and being coveted by teams such as the Lakers and Rockets, he's a guy that, I'm telling you... It, he brings a lot of value on the trade front for the Wizards. Now, if they want to hold him until the trade deadline, just him alone could probably fetch you more value than what they just gave up to Phoenix for a team like the Lakers or the Rockets. Absolutely, yeah. Secondarily. Expiring contract and a veteran player. He's been in the league forever, not to mention he has won a championship before with the Lakers. Yeah, secondarily too, man. He could be the extra piece to facilitate a trade from a, for a John Wall and a Bradley Beal if they do or maybe even an Otto Porter to really Ooh. blow it to really blow it up. I swear man, Otto Porter is tough to watch. I've watched a little bit of the Wizards. Does he have they cement in his shoes the past 2 years? I don't understand. With it. the exception of Bradley Beal, the whole team is. I mean, John Wall last night had 40 points. He went nuts. He'll give you those every once in a having, while. But then, you know, I talked last week to you, and it was coming off a game where he literally had one point. It's better to have zero than one, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> that means you, means you made one free throw. So it, it, they're an anomaly. We know that. 
I'm very interested to see what comes of this deal, both from the Wizards' standpoint. You know, if they give it till the trade deadline, you you should know where your positioning is because even if you are a playoff team, they're not built to go anywhere deep into this postseason. Then you use him, and maybe you can get a first rounder from a team like the Lakers or the Rockets, or you do use him as that blow it up trade, using him as that extra piece in a massive return with John Wall or Bradley Beal or Renato Porter. Yeah, th- there's a lot of ways that they can go, but again, the East can be had, and I think they're going to keep him because we just said it, the East can be had this year. It can be had. I think for them is they have to make the decision of... They're not going to win. Right, and that's kind of what it is. Are we going to be a middling, average team that sneaks into the playoffs every oh, the year? the Washington Wizards? Right, <laughs> like they have been. Yeah. Or are we finally going to make a decision on our future and say... We're going to blow it up and suck, and then we're going to try to do this all over again. Or are we going to fucking go for the jugular and say we're just going to build, just continue to try to build around these guys? They don't have a lot of cap space because of the money they have tied up in, in Beal, Porter, and uh, and Wall, who's about to just get one of the most insane amounts of money I've ever seen from a guy that's done as much as he has. Yeah. The Bryce Harper plays in the same city you know, of, of yeah basketball. exactly damn you got a feel for the washington fans it's Between crazy that and the redskins i mean they did win though they did win that's it's pretty josh crazy johnson. josh johnson as your quarterback but yeah it, it's going to be interesting to see going forward because i mean he could be traded again so so we'll have to see on that one coming up but let's move on to the next thing some more nba news this is a little more local People probably don't really care about this outside of Brooklyn and outside of the New York metropolitan area, but the Knicks... Well, you should, because they're important. Yeah, they are. We say they are, so they are. We control this podcast. Unfortunately for Ron Baker, the Knicks released him. It was fun while it lasted. Was it? It I had a lot of fun. Um, But aside from that, my guy, Alonzo Trier, they got rid of the two-way deal. They signed him to an extension, and he's here to stay. Thank God. Really good move because he's played really well, and he seems to be one of the young pieces that's going to you know, hopefully help the Knicks grow. That is That was one of the steals of the draft, and they didn't even draft him. Yeah, I mean, it was... You loved it when it happened. A lot of Knicks fans did too. It made a lot of sense at the time. You took advantage of a, of a kid that's a, that has a tremendous amount of talent that kind of fell out of the draft, uh, draft situation, but... He's played great, and I'm telling you, this Nick team is fun to watch. They came back from 21 down the yeah. other night. In the you know, before quarter. we get into the Nets and the Dinwiddie thing, I, I'm loving what I'm seeing with the Knicks. They come back. I think they still lost, from what I remember. Well, the 21 point game they won, but it was on the heels of losing in a back to you know, the first game of a back to back to Charlotte. Yeah, that that's what I was thinking about. But I mean, Knox is starting to play a little bit more coming off that ankle injury. Uh, Fizdale says, "Fuck it, I'm just going to play these young guys." Good. Mitchell Robinson catching lobs, although he did sprain his ankle and have to be helped off the court. Hopefully he's doing all right, but these young guys look great. The only guy that I'm worried about, and he's had tremendous ups and downs, and I'm in and I'm out and I'm in and I'm out on Frankie? him. Frankie? Frankie Nilakina. It's tough. I mean, listen, if they get if they get a first-round pick for him, I'll no be way happy. They get a but I, 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 at this point, and I flip-flopped on this a lot with you, I think you keep him. His value is so low, you're not going anywhere. You're yeah. not winning. Develop this guy as best you can because you're not going to get you're going to get a second round pick for him. Agreed. I it's tough because if he was their pick from, you know, if he was this um management's pick, this regime's pick, 
I would be more apt to agree. It really depends on how in they are. If you I don't use think they really are. And, and it, well, well, on a Moutier, I think they are. And I think, you know, for t- whatever. Because Burke has, Burke, who came on strong last year out of the D-League, has taken a major step back to Moutier. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing, right? I mean, you took it, you took a shot on Emmanuel Moutier last I mean, year. I, I love this. I I love that they're going out and they're getting these lottery picks. Mario Hazonia, same thing. They don't work out for whatever reason in Denver or Orlando or whatever. Take a chance on a young guy that clearly had some talent that all scouts love because they ended up being a lottery pick, and you never know what you're going to get. At the worst, you're going to get probably a trade chip if they play well. If not, you cut your losses. It's not your guy anyway. And that's kind of where I look at Nino Kina. I mean, he was drafted, what was it, seventh overall, eighth overall? Don't remind me. And he's not as clear as that he's not one of Fisdale's guys. Yeah, I'm going to have to do a rehashing of that draft. I'd like to do a rehash of the Porzingis draft and redo that one for the first round on the website. SorrySports.com, and then I want to rehash that most recent, uh, what was it, 2017 well, I'll be excited draft. to read that one. Yeah, because that draft is crazy. There's a lot of picks. I mean, Josh Jackson went fourth, and you got Lonzo Ball going second, although he's been playing a lot better of recent. Nilakina going seventh, Donovan Mitchell going way later than that. So there's a lot of interesting players in there. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and just to finish up with the Knicks is, I I think that you know Fizdale is starting to get a feel for this team. He's in the perfect situation where he can play a lot of guys, young guys who have a lot to prove in the league. He can figure out his rotations. He can go through the growing pains. The team is fun to watch. The team wins some games you don't expect them to win. As I've said time and time again, don't worry about those. They'll lose plenty of games. It's fine. Enjoy those exciting wins because you have to build a culture with a young team and a young coach. I know he's been around the league and he's won a couple times as the assistant in Miami, but he's still a young head coach in this league because he didn't wasn't with Memphis long. You have to build a culture of winning. You have to learn how to win. You have to go through these times. You have nothing to lose. You're going to be in the lottery. you got to hope that this regime is much more competent and willing to make the draft pick like a Kevin Knox that's going to make you better. If Nidalkina is a part of it, great. If not, don't get that upset. He was picked by Phil Jackson and his archaic system of basketball that doesn't apply to David Fisdale or 2018-19 Knicks. And if he signs with somewhere else and plays well, at least it's not Markel Fultz. True, true. It wasn't the number one overall pick. Although, I think Fultz has a future in the league. I just don't know what it is. Well, that's too athletic. Uh, uh, watching him in the summer league. Listen, the Sixers are going to have skills. to cut their loss with him at some point because I don't think it's ever going to work out in Philly. And that is for, you know, they're lucky that Embiid and Simmons have been this good because yeah. they've whiffed on a bunch of number one overall picks. Absolutely. Jaleel Okafor. <clears throat> Uh, who was the guy before him out of Kentucky? New Orleans Noel. Yeah, I no, mean, just on down the line. They're lucky that they have two transcendent players on their roster. Yep. Last thing I will say on the Knicks before we move on to the Nets, there was a Bleacher Report, report, I guess you would call it, that James Dolan is willing to sell the Knicks. I'm going to start – how many people are in this world? Like 7 billion? I'm going to start a GoFundMe. If everybody could just give me a dollar, just a dollar <laughs> – I could be the owner of the Knicks with $2 billion to spare. And I'll donate the rest of it to charity. There you go, everybody. You hear that? It probably costs about $5 billion. I'll donate the rest to charity. Yep. Okay, so Tom made his campaign, and I didn't take much out of this because all it made sense was, yeah, if he can turn a $3 billion you know, team into a, fi- into a profit, 
any smart business person would do that. Yeah. So unless somebody... He gets a lot of credit for a guy whose dad pretty much built all of that. Oh, well, he gets a lot of shit, too. So it's <laughs> That's rightfully deserved. so. Yeah. Rightfully so. But, yeah, so moving o- across the bridge to, to Brooklyn... The Nets did make their decision finally. They extended Spencer Dinwiddie, gave him three years, $47 million. Nets have been playing better lately. They've won five in a row, and they had a players-only film study led by Jared Dudley, who I always like that trade because he's one of those guys that just fits a, good, a young team that has talent. And basically, he was like, listen, how many fourth-quarter leads have we blown? We can't complete, complete, continue to play like this. This is complete bullshit is essentially what he said. And he's like, I'm going to call all you guys out. You're going to call me out. And we're going to sit and watch this and correct this because we can't play like this. We've been playing too good to lose these games. Since then, they've won five in a row. D'Angelo Russell's looked great. Dinwiddie had a huge game at Philly right before he signed his extension. And to me, this doesn't preclude them from maybe keeping Russell. Hmm. They're play- They're both playing great. And I think Dinwiddie they on play- a- They're perfect with each other because they can both play on and off the ball. Exactly. And, and I- not to mention that Dinwiddie is a much better defender than Russell. He's, what, 6'6"? Six, 6'6". Six? Six, six. Long defender, and he's very. He's an athlete as well. So yep. I, don't, I don't see them being out of the D'Angelo Russell sweepstakes at all. No, he's restricted too. So any team that wants to you know, sign him to an offer sheet, the Nets will have the chance to, to, to do that. And I don't... I don't think they're going to be I think the only free agent you know they they have a chance at Kawhi way down the line we'll go into that whole conversation because that's Supposedly worth a podcast that's, that's worth a podcast according it, to my sources he's still a Laker okay according to Tom's sources right there you go he could also be a Clipper depending on a day he could also stay in Toronto depending on a day We'll see. Jimmy Butler wants to play in a major market. I don't think he's cut out to stay in Philly. There's already a little bit of you know tension there with Embiid not happy with his role on the team. See, I read that quote as well, and I guess we should talk about that. Embiid saying, you know, oh, I'm used to having the ball more often. I, if you read the quote, it was taken a little bit out of context because that's just what we do nowadays with social media and the way the news is because we always have to have a story. And and it, they made it sound like Embiid was complaining that he wasn't getting the ball as often as he did. I think he was more saying, "Listen, Wait, we have just a top- acknowledging it exactly. We have a you know, it's hard for me. We have a top twenty player that we just got on the team to the, and we have another top twenty player in Simmons, and I'm getting the ball less. We're trying to figure it out. I think that's what he was saying. Okay, I I, I think Embiid's a dog, and I think he's trying to win, and he knows Jimmy Butler helps him win. I don't think he was saying, "Oh, I'm missing my touches." Okay. I, I don't. I, if you read the full quote, it did not sound like that at all. That's interesting because I, I will admit that I didn't. I, I listened to a lot of other people who are within the NBA and they s- talked about it the other way, but maybe they just they went did. with it. So, because um, I'm about real news here, <laughs> not okay? fake news. I have integrity. Okay. Well, no, that's journalistic not, integrity, no. but I do love cheaters. That's right. I was just going to say journalistically, maybe, but uh, uh, in life, no. Got to read the quotes. I, I like full quotes. I, I I think the Nets could possibly land a guy like Butler or Kawhi if it works out right. They're not going to ever have a chance at Durant. I think they could also get a guy like Tobias Harris who would help them out a lot. That'd be great. But, and they'll get Levert back. But Russell and Dinwiddie together, Dinwiddie is a perfect six man because he can start but he's also dynamic off the bench when Russell gets his he breaks. He gets that second unit and going, And then when they, play on the, when they play on the floor together in like the fourth quarter, they really have a comfort level with each other, which is fun to watch because Russell yesterday had 37 points. The guy's playing out of his mind. He really is comfortable in this offense. The two are happy for each other. Any kind of bad teammate thing that I ever heard about Russell – 
God, has that been anything but the truth in Brooklyn. I just think he was in a tough situation in L.A., and they expected a lot more out of him. And again, lottery picks, man. Yep. Well, he he's he's bearing the fruit. Uh, the Nets are bearing the fruit of, of you know everything that they wished for with him. And, and I was happy for Dinwiddie. He came out of nowhere. He really got his chance last year when Russell and Jeremy Lin were out basically for the season. Well, Lin was out for the yeah, season. Yeah, Lin was out for the season. Russell was out for about three quarters of it. Yeah, Russell missed a lot of time. So that was a he. He got to really blossom. undrafted free agent from from the Detroit Pistons and the Nets did a really good job picking him up. Yeah. So and they, bravo to a team who was the laughing stock of the NBA for about five to six years there. Yeah, and they're still you know not a great team by any stretch, but they're they're now. Like I said, they're they're a half a game out of the eight. They've won five in a row. And Allen's really turning into a stretch center. He can shoot the ball a little bit and more of a prototypical NBA center in 2018. The guy's long, athletic. He's He can run the floor really well, and he, he can block shots. Damari Carroll's played great since coming back from the injury. All right, you're not going to acknowledge my, my Allen take. No, because I agree. There's nothing else to say. We both love Jared Allen. I don't have to you're say right, anything. Right. You just you made your point, and you're, you're 100% right. And, and Joe Harris has had a very sneaky good season. So they've won five in a row, pumped the brakes, but I think they're going to be one of these teams that's just they're never going to be out of it, and I don't know if they're going to be making a trade. Like I thought Damari Carroll or somebody like that would be a really good trade piece come the deadline. I don't think the Nets are going to be bad enough where they would where they would do it. I think they're going to be hovering around that eight seed the entire year, and even if they, even though they have their first round draft pick this year, they actually have two, including the Nuggets pick. They're, I, they're going to freaking go for the playoffs. Why wouldn't you if you have a chance? And Levert was back on the court yesterday. With two first rounders, I would go for the playoffs too. Yeah, so they're, and this team's just been terrible for the last however long. So it, go for I, it. When I watch them play, there's no reason to me why they can't be an eight seed. And that's, you know, exciting anyway. You get a couple more. So a couple notable moves there from our locals. Um, Tom, we, we mentioned this on our also very stacked pre-show meeting. Um, let's talk about just a quick, some hypothetical teams that could be looking <laughs> to make moves come the deadline. Who's catching your eye right now? We're past, real quick, everybody, we're past the December 15th deadline of where players who signed with teams this summer can now be moved. We're gonna we're about two months out from the trade deadline. What are you looking at right now as we approach Christmas? Because that's kind of one of those, you know, land watermarks where you're looking and saying, okay, where are we as teams? Teams that are contending and not contending. What are you looking at? So I'll go through the Eastern Conference first and then we'll move over to the Western Conference because I think there's a lot more uh, teams that are going to make trades in the Western Conference. First team I'm going to look at is a team that I think is either going to try and get a uh, like a two-for-one deal or just try and get more assets for the future, and that's the Boston Celtics. Although they've played better of recent because they had Jalen Brown get hurt, I think that when Jalen Brown comes back, they're going to be in the same situation where they just have too many players that need big minutes to do what they do. And with Gordon Hayward kind of coming into his own and starting to feel himself after that injury, maybe Jalen Brown's gone, who looks like he's taking a step back with those minutes being cut down. Maybe Terry Rozier or something like that as well. So I think the Boston Celtics are going to make a deal maybe for the future, maybe trade a guy for an un- unprotected lottery pick. Something like that, Jalen Brown. Do they use Jaylen any of those guys as a possible, possible D, uh, AD move? I think that... I think that um, 
the Pelicans are desperate to make the playoffs this year, and their only chance is with Anthony Davis. Because I don't think if the Pel- if the Pelicans don't make the playoffs this year, I think they're the Seattle Pelicans or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to be in New Orleans very much longer. That's a terrible arena, um, and they if you watch their games, no one shows up at all whatsoever. So I think they're going to do a little last hurrah to keep him around. Um, so I don't think they're going to deal him until the summer, if that, because okay. he's still got another year of controllability left. Um, aside from that, I, I think the Wizards are a team to make another deal. I think they, uh, you know, I don't know if they deal a reaser or deal somebody else, another expiring to try and get somebody out there. It really depends on which which way they go. Are they going to go towards the playoffs or are they going to unload and blow it up, as you said a little bit earlier? Last team, Orlando Magic. Hmm. I think the Orlando Magic have an interesting team and they're destined to make the playoffs, I think. Um, but I think Vucevic is kind of playing out of his mind right now, which no one expected. Shooting a three, and the guy was already a double-double machine. I think they could get a lot for him. And then I think that kind of opens up their offense a little bit more if they do get maybe a point guard in there as opposed to him with Jonathan Isaac, um, Aaron Gordon, and uh, Mo Bamba in there. So we'll have to see how that one goes. Let's move over to the Western Conference. This These guys, I think you can lock in a few trades. I think if the Portland Trailblazers continue to flounder, one of those two guys is off of that team, being C.J. McCollum and uh, Dame Lillard, probably Dame Lillard. Um, because the West is the West is not as top-heavy as it has been in the past few years with Houston floundering and um, a few other teams, but they are deep. That is a deep league. You go up and down the teams, and what teams can't pos- What teams would you say possibly can't make the playoffs? Phoenix. Phoenix, and that's it. Yeah. Who else? I mean, even Sacramento's playing great right Sacramento, now. Sacramento, I think, is a playoff team right now. Sacramento's a playoff team. A few other teams. Is Dallas raise- now? Dallas, on Dallas is just in? on the outside looking okay. in. That's another team that I think could make a deal. They got a Wes Matthews expiring contract. They could go out and get a guy like Tim Hardaway. I was just going to say, Wes really Matthews for Hardaway like makes Hardaway. a lot of sense. For both teams, yeah. Because then the Knicks are off of that contract. And, and and Matthews is an expiring, right? Exactly. The Knicks are off of that Hardaway contract. And they get a shooter that Luka can feed the ball to again. Luka is playing out of his mind. He's so fun still. to watch. Um, and then two other teams that I think are trade chips. I don't think Denver is going to do anything. I think that team's pretty much complete. Um, the Los Angeles Lakers. Because they have really figured it out. And I think LeBron really likes how this team's playing. But if there's one guy who you haven't really heard his name a lot lately... lately it's Brandon Ingram. And I think the Lakers can make a Brandon Ingram in a first-round pick move or, or something like that for for a guy like a Bradley Beal. Ooh, I, I, I don't like that from the Lakers. I would I would keep every single asset that they have of that for Anthony for Davis. For Anthony Davis, yeah. But I think they can get him in – I think they think they can get him in free agency. Well, that's not till after next year. Again, maybe maybe they'll trade for him, but Lonzo Ball's been playing a lot better. Kyle Kuzma's been playing a lot better. If they know that they're going to get Kawhi, maybe they'll let Anthony Davis pass by. I wouldn't. That's a transcendent player. But again, I think the Lakers have a move to make, especially because they're currently at the four seed and they're probably going to win at least 50 games. And if they see any vulnerability in the Warriors, I think they're going to go for it. Do they do it with the deal of that magnitude, though? See, my question is, is do they look at it and say, listen, we're going to put our chips to the table during free agency and try not to give up anybody yet. Or if we don't strike on free agency, we have Anthony Davis as a trade chip 
or as a tra- as a trade target. And we well, still yeah. have Brandon Ingram. Yeah, because if, if he, you trade Brandon Ingram now, there's no way you're getting Anthony Davis unless it's the well, summer never of 2020. I said, I said the Pelicans might hold on to them. If they continue to go in this tailspin that they've been in of recent, they might trade him. And Brandon Ingram will probably be the centerpiece of that deal along with a lot of lottery picks. Yep. Um, but another team that I think, and this is the team that I think is is definitely needs to make the deal the most uh, and is the team that's de- is going to is Houston. Mm-hmm. They've got a couple expirings and they don't care. They'll spend the money. Well, they, they don't have care to. about the luxury. They're tax. a win now team and they have been. Yeah. Chris Paul's really taking a step back this year. I think he's still playing himself into shape. Harden is hardened. But aside from that, I mean, Capella hasn't been what they needed him to be. And I think that team's on the outside looking in at the playoffs right now. They are. I think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think there is a move that needs to be made. It's got to be a big one. For me, I, I think the Lakers are okay with making a smaller ones and kind of like those classic trades that the Cavs were making the last few years for guys like Kyle Korver and, and you know, Rodney Hood. That and- Lakers team is a different team, though, because every other team LeBron's played on since his Miami, since probably his set first two years in Miami when D-Wade was still in his prime and Bosh was still playing great, every team's been stagnant. It's LeBron pounding the ball, half-court offense, but Le- that's not... That's not LeBron's best game. LeBron's best game is what he's doing with the Lakers right now. In transition, all these guys are athletes. Lonzo. His version even of Showtime. Lance, exactly. His version of Showtime. Now, LeBron clearly won a championship playing pound the rock against the Warriors and slow it down, but he doesn't want to play that way. He's the best athlete that the NBA has probably ever seen. He wants to run up and down. He also doesn't have a Kyrie Irving on this team. No. He so, does. He might so, need a sidekick. Right, and that might be the case. And if you believe any of what Kevin Durant said last week, which I thought was really interesting, and I don't think it was a shot. I think it was just KD being honest. And, I, you know, proven stars don't love to play with LeBron James. Not anymore. Not since D-Wade and Bosh. And, and, you know, mostly because LeBron at that point was trying to win. He's won now. So I just don't think they want to deal with all the side stuff, and I don't think it's LeBron's fault. It's just it's how I mean, he plays. we said it. He's it, so ball he's so ball dominant that why would another star player who is also ball dominant want to go there? Well, I mean, he's also I just said it. He's been playing a different type of game this year where it's more up and down, and everybody's getting their touches. I just think, and we said this a few months back, LeBron's probably top three most famous people in the world. And they don't want to deal with that show every day. They no. don't want the constant and, spotlight. And, and, and I think it, that has something to do with it. It has to. Like Kyrie Irving, when he went to the Celtics, said, man, I just want to play basketball. Yeah. And, and I think that was kind of a subtle, not really shot at LeBron, but just yeah. saying, I don't want to deal with all the other shit. Yeah. And, and I think, too, is if you look at the guys that they're talking about, you know, Kawhi's already won. So he doesn't have to go join a LeBron James to win. So he might want to be... He, he doesn't have that personality of an alpha dog, but I think he wants to be able to win and say it's his team. Kevin Durant had Russ, and now he, you know, I, no matter how great he's been winning, you know, an MVP in the finals both years he's been with the Warriors, that will always and forever be Steph's team. So, and he went there to win. So if KD leaves, which I think he will, He's going to go somewhere where it can be his team and he can build his we brand. We know where KD's going. Yeah. So, the Knicks. Or the Clippers. Um, Jimmy Butler, on the other hand, unless something happens in Philly this year, he hasn't won yet. So he might be a guy that is tempted to go play with LeBron. You know, that that's where you're looking. And, and Anthony Davis, if, if a trade comes up, 
he'd be looking to win for the first time. Those guys that have already won, Kawhi and, and, and KD, they don't have to go play with LeBron James, and I don't think they want to. So I think that the I think that the the Knicks I think that the Warriors' best bet now is to just, or the Lakers' best bet now is to just say all right we're gonna make small trades we're gonna hope we can compete with the Warriors and we're gonna take our shot in free agency if we don't get that we still have all our assets for for Anthony Davis. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think that they're gonna keep that core together aside from Ingram because I don't think Ingram's game really goes well with LeBron. Ingram needs the ball in his hands. Josh Hart's a catch-and-shoot guy. He's he one of the young well. guys, um, and he's really exploded. He's great. Kyle Kuzma, same thing. He can play on or off the ball. And then Lonzo, I mean, he's one of the best passers, but he doesn't need to have the ball. He's like Steve Nash. Yeah, Lonzo, oh, that's, that's. I mean, uh, I, no, get, I, I get I where mean you're coming game. from. I'm I get, not yeah, saying. I get, that's, where, I get where you're coming that's from. That's high praise. But. Yeah, I get where you're coming from as far as, you know, a, a ball distribution you know, is is concerned, and he's his style of play fits LeBron very nicely. Um, so I, I totally agree with you there. It's going to be really interesting. We got two months before the trade deadline. There's going to be a lot of activity because, like you said, especially in the West, man, there's so much parity. There, I mean, even the Warriors, who you know, I think when the dust settles, they will be the team holding the championship again, but. It has not been that easy for them this year. And if they're a, a bad Steph injury away or a Draymond injury away, I mean, and are the Lakers are playing great, are you ever going to bet against playoff LeBron? I mean, no, I'm not, not at all. So, no. uh, you know, the Clippers are another sneaky team to look for because they've been playing really well. You've got the Kings. You've got the Nuggets. You've got, um, you know, the Jazz that are, that are still going to be relevant and then who are playing better. The Thunder actually are a good team. I think Paul George is playing right out of his mind this year, and Westbrook is, you know, as always, a walking triple double. It, it's gonna. There's so much to see. There's so much. Is Anthony Davis getting into the playoffs? What are the Pelicans gonna do? Like you mentioned, is one of your teams to make a move? There's, there's a lot. The Rockets. I can't believe they're gonna not be in the postseason. So these, there's gonna be a lot of activity up and down the league. In the East, I think you you know you've still got your Celtics, you've got your Raptors, you've got your Bucks, and you've got your Sixers, and those are the class. Well, and the Pacers too. And other than that, you've got a bunch of middling teams who will find somehow find their way six, seven, and eight. But the NBA, full of storylines, lots of fun. Let's go into some college basketball. There were some really notable games this week. Villanova Just as we gave Villanova some lost credit. twice as soon as we said, hey, look who's turning it around. They lost to University of Pennsylvania. Yes, that UPenn in the, the Ivy League. For the first time in I don't know how long, 30 years or something like that. Yep, in one of those uh, big five games, they call it. All the Philadelphia schools play each other, and and it's usually the Villanova Invitational, but not this year. Yep. Um, and then they also go to Lawrence, Kansas, and lose to the number one team in the country by three. They had a much better showing, but still lost. Obviously, this team still has a lot of concerns, and I I do still believe that when when the season's over, they're going to be a good team, and they're going to be you know maybe a five or six seed, but they are playing really well come tournament time. And even though they're not a high seed, they're going to you know go on a little bit of a run because they're talented enough to do so, even though they're young. Um, another couple games to look at: Tennessee beat Memphis by ten. Tennessee is so good. Uh, North Carolina took down Gonzaga, who was ranked number four. Um, Gonzaga had lost uh, earlier to uh, Kansas, 
So now that Gonzaga's lost twice, they dropped from four to eight. Michigan remains undefeated. They beat Western Michigan only by eight in a game that, you know, seemed a little closer than it should have, but Michigan handled business. One upset at the Carrier Dome, Old Dominion beat number 25 Syracuse. And other than that, yeah, and other than that, all top 25 teams stayed the same as far as uh, wins are concerned. Anything catching your eye real quick in college basketball? Conference play is about a week away. Yeah, that Gonzaga loss was pretty interesting to me because that's a veteran team, and I don't think they should lose games like that. No, I mean, it was at North Carolina, which is a tough team to, or tough place to play. UNC is still a really good team. I know they've had a little bit of struggles so well, far this year. Well, their rotations are just embarrassing, but... Yeah, I mean, but I still believe that... You know, Furman found its way back into the top 25. Furman's good still for there. Um, so every every other top 25 team won. Uh, I saw... I, I didn't put it in our show notes, but Kentucky blew out whoever they played, oh, which was good yeah. for them. Um, so other than that, basically everything status quo. There's going to be a couple more big games this weekend. St. John's 10 and 0. 10 and 0 for your Johnnies. They've played no one. The best team they played is VCU who lost again recently, but still All right, man. 10 and 0 nonetheless. 10, no, 10 and 0 is a big deal, man. I don't I don't care who you're playing because they have lost games in the past to these nobodies and yeah. you're, you're handling business. On my end, UConn has a game with Villanova at Madison Square Garden on Saturday. Villanova's struggling. Can UConn beat a big program? They've already beaten Syracuse, but how good is Syracuse? They've lost to Iowa. They've lost to Florida State. Um, So now we'll see what they can do to Villanova. Just to finish off, because we almost got through an episode. Almost. So close, Tom. One quick college football note. No, it's not a bowl game. Justin Fields, the five-star quarterback who was a freshman this year at uh, Georgia, is going to transfer. It looks like Jake Fromm did not have to worry about his job security. He's going to keep it for, you know, the the bowl game they play in this year and then going forward, um, at least for next year in his junior campaign. And Justin Fields is leaving. The reason I thought this was a big deal, because it's a big deal. I thought he was going to be the next Trevor Lawrence who, who overtook a Kelly Bryant. I thought he was going to be the next Tua Tagovailoa that took over for Jalen Hurts. Not to anything that Jake Fromm did wrong, just Justin Fields' talent is so fucking good. Well, Jake Fromm is t- was a five-star recruit as well. So. Yeah. I mean, give my guy a little credit. Hey, I love Fromm. You know I love Fromm. I, 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 he looked great in Giants Blue in two years. So, there you go. So, but uh, I thought that was a really big deal. We don't have to get too much into it, but definitely have to give it its due. We're not going to talk about any of the bowl games so far. Nothing that's really that important, and I don't really care. We're, we're ne- a week and a half away. Now, just under from the college football playoff. So there it is. We'll talk then. Maybe next week no news is made, Tom. Maybe. Go Clemson. All right. Night, guys. Bye.